Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio for today, April 15th, 2019. Thank you for tuning in today. I want to talk to you about something that is um, never talked about hardly anymore. used to hear about it when I was a kid. But today, I want to talk about Tyre, the land of Tyre. Where on earth was that? And what happened to it? And what about prophecy? Did God know about its destruction, its fall? Let's take a look. But first, I want to read what the Bible Dictionary has to say about Tyre. Tyrus is a rock. That's the name of it. A very ancient city in Phoenicia, on a strongly protected island about a half a mile from the shore. Its importance was frequently referred to by ancient writers in Ezekiel 26, 1 through 27, 32. Its rise came after the rise of the city of Sidon, Isaiah 23. In the 15th century before Christ, it was under the dominion of Egypt. It was a strong city when the Israelites came to Canaan under Joshua, in Joshua 19, verse 29. At no time did it come into the hands of of the Israelites. In the time of David and Solomon, very friendly relations existed. Hiram, the king of Tyre, furnished David with materials and craftsmen for the building of his palace. See 2 Samuel 5, verse 11. He also provided materials for Solomon's temple and other building enterprises. See 1 Kings 5, verse 1, 1 Kings 9, verse 10 through 14, 2 Chronicles 2, 3, and 11. Sometime after the kingdom was divided in 19, or I'm sorry, in 921 BC, Ahab, the second king of the fourth dynasty of Israel, married the daughter of Ethbaal, the king of the Zidonians, 1 Kings 16, verse 31. The Tyrians, people of Tyre, were not a warlike people. They were dominantly interested in commerce, colonization, and manufacture. They traded with the remotest peoples, their productions consisting of glassware, dyes, and metalwork. In the 9th century BC, Carthage was founded by the Tyrians and became one of Rome's strongest rivals. Jeremiah and Ezekiel uh, prophesied against Tyre. Jeremiah 27, 1-11 Ezekiel 26 through 28, 19, and Ezekiel 29, 18 through 20. For Phoenicia and Tyre, 
see pages, blah, blah, blah. Jesus once came to the coast of Tyre and Sidon, Matthew 15, verses 21 through 31, and Mark 7, 24 through 31. A Christian church was founded at Tyre, and here Paul spent some time, Acts 21, verses 3 and 4. So you can see, this was no small deal. This was uh, kind of a hub of commerce. Well, let's just jump on over to Ezekiel 27 for a minute. And I have a point in doing all this, but... Um, Verse 1, chapter 27, Ezekiel, The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Now, son of man, take up a lamentation for Tyrus. Say to Tyrus, O you that are situate in the entry of the sea, which are merchants of people um, for many islands, thus says the Lord God, O Tyrus, um, you have said, I am perfect in beauty. I want to do this in the uh, NLT. Hang on a second. Uh, let's see, this is verse 3. Give Tyre this message from the Sovereign Lord. You boasted, O Tyre, my beauty is perfect. You extended your boundaries into the sea. Your builders made your beauty perfect. They were like a great ship uh, built of the finest cypress from Sanir. And I'm going to stop right there and jump on over to verse 20. Dedan. Now that's a city in Saudi Arabia. Dedan sent merchants to trade their expensive saddle blankets with you. Remember, the Arabians were famous for their rugs. The Arabians, verse 21, chapter 27, uh, and the princes of Kedar, another city in Saudi Arabia, sent merchants to trade lambs and rams and male goats in exchange for your goods. The merchants of Sheba and Rama came with all kinds of spices and jewels and gold in exchange for your wares. Haran, or Haran, Cana, Eden, Sheba, Asher, and Kilmed, excuse me, Kilmed, with their merchandise too. They brought their choice fabrics to trade: blue cloth, embroidery, multicolored carpets, rolled up and bound with cords. The ships of Tarshish were your ocean caravans. Your island warehouse was filled to the brim. See, we didn't understand all of that. But look, verse 26, Your oarsmen have taken you into the stormy seas. A mighty eastern gale has wrecked you in the heart of the sea. Everything is lost. Your riches, your wares, your sailors, your pilots, your shipbuilders, your merchants and warriors. On the day of your ruin, everyone on board sinks into the depths of the sea. Wow. In chapter 28, I want to read you some interesting stuff here. Verse 1, Then this message came to me from 
the Lord, son of man, give the prince of Tyre this message from the sovereign Lord. In your great pride you claim, I am a god. Have you heard that from people? I have. I am a god. No, you're not a god. I sit on a divine throne, you say, in the heart of the sea. But you are only a man and not a god, though you boast that you are a god. And this is a little g god, by the way. You regard yourself as wiser than Daniel and think no secret is hidden from you. With your wisdom and understanding, you have amassed great wealth, gold and silver for your treasuries. Yes, your wisdom has made you very rich, and your riches have made you very proud. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Because you think you are as wise as a god, I will now bring you, bring against you a foreign army, the terror of the nations. I will draw their swords against your marvelous wisdom and defile your splendor. They will bring you down to the pit, and you will die in the heart of the sea, pierced with many wounds. Will you then boast, I am a god, to those who kill you? To them you will be no god, but merely a man." and you will die like an outcast at the hands of foreigners. I, the Sovereign Lord, have spoken. This next part I find just as fascinating as it can be, because everybody thinks that Satan is the ruler of hell, and he's going to be the one to guide the tormentors in hell when people land there and live there for all eternity, burning and burning and never burning up. Listen to what it says here. This is verse 11, Ezekiel 28. Then this further message came to me from the Lord, Son of man, sing this funeral song for the king of Tyre. Now see, this was in verse uh, 1, talking to the prince of Tyre. Now he's jumping to the king himself. Who, pray tell, is this king of Tyre? Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, red carnelian, pale green, peridot, and moonstone, the white moonstone, blue-green beryl, onyx, green jasper, blue lapis lazuli, uh, turquoise, and emerald, all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given you on the day you were created. Whoa, 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 wait a minute now. He was created. This is a created being. The prince of Tyre was a born human, not a created being at all. He was born. He had a lineage. This person did not. Verse 14, I ordained you and anointed you as a mighty angelic guardian. 
So this is an angel, a mighty angel. You had access to the holy mountain of God. In other words, God's throne room. And walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led to your viol- or led you to violence, and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, O mighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. Wow. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. You defiled your sanctuaries with your many sins and your dishonest trade. So I brought fire from or out from within you and it consumed you. That is in verse 18. I reduced you to the uh, to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All who knew you are appalled at your fate. You have come to a terrible end, and you will exist no more. <laughs> wow. Who was this mighty covering cherub? Well, in my view, this is none other than Satan himself. And that's what his fate is. He is here, Ezekiel, is predicting the end of the devil. He's going to die. So who then will be in charge of hell? Well, in my view... The whole hell thing is a myth. Anybody that has listened to my program before uh, knows how I feel about it. And basically, why do I feel that way? When other scriptures, like in the New Testament, talk about hell, Jesus supposedly mentioned hell more times than anybody in the Bible. Well, Really, there's only about 34 places where it's mentioned. And while that's quite a few, that doesn't mean that we can twist that into making it um, something that it isn't. We've got to figure it out. So what is it? Well, let's just consider a couple facts. Jesus didn't pay that penalty. That is... When he died, he did not go to eternal conscious torment in hell. No, he didn't do that. He died and was unconscious for three solid days and nights in the grave. Now, that's going to be news to some people, and it's going to aggravate some people. But that is the reality. He did not pay that. He paid the death penalty. Where do we find what the wages of sin is? Is it not in Romans 8? Let's go back there a second. No, I meant, um, I should have said that is uh, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That's what Jesus paid on the cross, the death penalty. But 
the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's verse 23, chapter 6 of Romans. If hell, as eternal conscious torment, was the penalty for sin, would not Jesus, who became sin for us, have to be there today and forevermore? Yes, well then, that can't be the required penalty for sin. Period. End of story. I mean, that should change people's thinking right off the bat. There's no such thing as eternal conscious torment. Now, I've had this conversation with pastors, and they all believe this myth. Well, did you know that Pope John Paul II openly stated publicly that we made it up we made up this doctrine, this idea, so that we could scare the troops. And we didn't, you know, the Catholics did not have their own army, and they wanted to wipe out what they had created in Islam. They wanted to wipe it out. So they sent these guys out and uh, tried to destroy the Islamites or the uh, Mohammedans or the Muslims, whatever you want to call them, and scare them that if you don't do this, you're going to burn in hell forever and ever. Well, this is a, the, the idea has, is not new. This idea started back in the Garden of Eden when Satan said, you will not surely die. In other words, you're an immortal soul. No, no, you're not. You are a soul, but you're not immortal. It's like I was telling a lady the other day. You have a fatal disease. We all have it. We all have it. It's 100% fatal what you have. We are not immortal. Not until God himself, who alone has immortality, gives it to us. And that's his promise upon faith in him. You want another idea or another reason why I don't believe it? Let's just head on over to the 51st chapter of Jeremiah here. And uh, verse 30. Nine, and see what it says. And while they lie inflamed with all their wine, I will prepare a different kind of feast for them. I will make them drink until they fall asleep, and they will never wake up again, says who? Says the Lord. Now, you can't be asleep and never wake up and be burning in hell forever. Now, can you? No. Where else does it say that? Verse 57. And it identifies who he's talking about. This is Babylon, destroying the armies that come against Babylon, and so on. But God is speaking here. In verse 57, he says, I will make drunk her officials and wise men, among or along with uh, her captains and officers and warriors, 
They will fall asleep and never wake up again. They will fall asleep and never wake up again, says the king, whose name is the Lord of heaven's armies. God himself signs off on this twice. What do you make of that? Well, that's that's Old Testament stuff. We don't need to pay attention to that. We need to pay attention to what people have said the New Testament tells us. I'm here to say, no, that's not the right way to look at things. We need to take God at his word. And this is his word on it. We've got his signature signed on this condemnation of these people. They are dead, or they will be dead, upon judgment, and never wake up again, period. You can read my book, Why Lie About Hell. It's free. You can just go to my website, which I have nothing to sell there. I have nothing to sell. Although, if you wanted to buy a copy, you could go to Amazon and buy one. I don't want you to have to do that necessarily, but you can if you want to. Um, Itellwhy.com is the name of the website. Itellwhy, W-H-Y. And just on the left-hand side at the bottom, you can see uh, Why Lie About Hell? It's got a picture of a cave on the inside. It's all orange and, and such. Why lie about hell? You, you get 40 little essays that I've put together from the scriptures to prove my point that why should we lie any further about hell? Haven't we been lied to enough? Seems to me... It's long overdue that we stop this nasty, blasphemous doctrine and dogma of hell, a place of eternal conscious torment. Now, why would God want that in his world, in his universe? Does it give God some kind of a thrill or joy or happiness or glory? Hardly. How could it? How could it give him glory to burn and torture people forever? You know what we would do to someone who did that to a little girl or a, a little boy? That he would beat them in the head until they're senseless and knocked out and then nurse them back to health and then do it again and do it in fire, torture their bodies until, well, no, I'm not going to go any further with that. You get the idea. We would put them in jail so fast, it would make their heads spin. But somehow we relegate God as a torturer. No. Now, it is true that if a man is uh, rehabilitatable, he will get whipped. I believe that with all my heart, because that's what Jesus himself said. He will be beaten with many stripes. Where's that? Well, it's in Luke 12, and I'm going to start in 41. Peter asked, Lord, is that illustration just for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, 
A faithful and sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if that servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while? So he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut that servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. And a servant who knows what his master wants but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. He's not killed. He's not burning in hell forever, but he is severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. But God doesn't torment people forever. It's for correction. It's for correction. And how long and how severe the punishment is determined by him, not by us. I think that uh, people like this Catholic doctrine and it's also early uh, Greek philosophy entering into this because Plato himself introduced the idea or reintroduced the idea of you're an immortal soul. No, you're not an immortal soul at all. You're immortal and you can die and you will die eventually if you're not instantaneously changed from this form to a more permanent form, which a few will experience, more than likely, according to the Bible. But no one is going to burn in hell forever. Why would God want it? Like I asked before, why would he want that? It doesn't bring him any jollies. It doesn't bring him any joy or happiness. No. No, rather he will do away with them completely. They will sleep the sleep from which they will never awake. That's what he said. He signed off on it twice. I take him at his word. Now let's go back to Ezekiel 28, verse 25. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. The people of Israel will again live in their own land. See, this is another prophecy. There's like four separate, distinct, and significant prophecies in that one chapter, chapter 28, Ezekiel. But anyway, verse 25, The people of Israel will again live in their own land, the land I gave my servant Jacob. For I will gather them from the distant lands I have scattered them, where I have scattered them. And I will reveal to the nations of the world my holiness among my people. They will live in safety in Israel and build homes and plant vineyards. And when I punish the neighboring nations that treated them with contempt, they will know that I am the Lord their God. Wow. 
Now, just who are those nations? Well, let's see. Um, Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, Iraq, I would say, is a neighbor, even though their borders don't actually touch. Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Turkey, Syria, all of those nations. And, you know, prophecy is real. And as I've said before, one of the um, proof texts that you can prove, you know, Isaiah lived about 2,500 years ago. 2,500 years. That's 500 years before Christ. Here's what he wrote concerning Damascus, Syria. This message came to me concerning Damascus. Now, Damascus grew into a city of about 2 million. 2 million people. That's a huge city. Look, the city of Damascus will disappear and become a heap of ruins. Unquote. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. God means what he says, and he says what he means. Let's take him at his word, please. Let's not listen to what people say. Let's do our own study and research. Well, again, you can go to my website, itellwhy.com, or jesusiswhy.com. You can read my books there. You can watch the videos. You can listen to my audio of the life and times of Christ. So there's a lot you can do there. It's all free. I don't want your email address. Unless you send me an email, I'm not going to communicate with you. Till next time, have a great day, and thanks for tuning in.